0: Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. And guess what? I'm good in a crisis and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day. But what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing, moments that required major pivots, and so much more. On hard costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and I'm joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. Hey everyone. I am really excited to share today's episode and introduce your special guest, which is me. Now, before you get disappointed, I will be continuing to bring you some incredible interviews with my favorite visionaries and CEOs and founders who are disrupting the marketplace, who are truly proving that a rising tide lifts all boats, who are overcoming all of the hard costs in their businesses and sharing how it affected them, how it affected their team, and ultimately why they were able to persevere and continue with resilience. These are my favorite conversations, and it is the reason that I pivoted from hosting this podcast as a solo show to begin with. I don't think you need to hear just my experiences, and from my perspective, as much as I love to consume marketing information and hear from people who have incredible tips and strategies and will walk you through their processes, for me, that's not really what I wanted to bring to you. It's not what I wanted to contribute to the podcast space. But there is something that has been coming up more and more in my conversations with these founders offline, with my clients offline, with colleagues, and also with Many of you who are either service providers and looking to take the next step in your business or who are visionaries yourself, and you're wondering, how can I better leverage and work with my incredible processor, operator, friends, those who are in the weeds and who serve me? How can I be a better leader to them as a visionary? And it keeps coming back to a couple of things that I have learned in my nearly two decades of working in marketing, all of the different iterations. I started my career, as I've shared, frankly, on this show a few times, in television. I never had any real intention of being a marketer. I dual majored in broadcast journalism and policy studies And frankly, uh, even though broadcast journalism really did not bring a big paycheck, it brought more than working in the public sector or in politics. And so the direction that my life took in my early 20s was through broadcast journalism and through working in newsrooms. And then as I graduated from daily news and went into longer feature production with a team, a startup... I had to really understand how to take this product that we were so passionate about, these stories that we were sharing, and get them in front of more people. Okay, that's marketing. Ultimately, that's marketing and sales. And so that really led me down a path that I never saw for myself. Frankly, the path that I'm on today didn't exist when I was more junior in my career. The proliferation of social media and email marketing and all of the platforms that are added, frankly, By the day, they weren't always available to me when I was getting started. But what I will say is that my ability to leverage them, to grow as a service provider, to find my space, not being a true visionary myself, but in supporting visionaries, and in continuing to set really bold, audacious, ambitious goals for myself from a revenue perspective, from a leadership perspective perspective from brand awareness for me and my services, there are a few things that stand out that I feel are beneficial to all of you. So I appreciate you hanging in there as you hear from me and only me on today's episode. And I'm going to start with a phrase that Frankly, I didn't coin, but I have come to love, and it's really an anchoring mantra. If you have listened to any other episode of this show, you know that I often talk about my mantras or ask my guests to share the phrases and the mantras that keep them going. For me, a few that you've heard before are a rising tide lifts all boats, also jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. Those are things that come back to me. I frankly have them written off camera, posted to my boards. Um, I have a tattoo that is really meaningful to me that is sort of along those same lines. It says, I'm on it. It's on a paper boat. It's a really personal message that was given to me and uh, inspired by a friend who unfortunately died from cancer But during her time, she was so, so pivotal in helping me understand my gifts and the importance of me sharing them with the world. So all of that is to say that one of the mantras that has really been helpful to me as I sort of operate in my like type A, linear planning, everything has to be perfect self in a world where the visionaries who are moving quickly don't necessarily subscribe to that same mentality. The phrase is this money loves speed and so if you are somebody who is either a processor brain like me you really like to see what's coming not just one step ahead but 10 or a hundred steps ahead you like to plan you may have even been told in your career that this is a weakness that this is a liability for you as a professional that you because you're not necessarily the big dreamer the big disruptive CEO the big, idea of founder that maybe you're limited and there are certainly opportunities for founders who have that visionary mindset to move really quickly and to move maybe with a little bit uh, more boldness through the world and sort of be seen as a typical founder and CEO. And the, but the truth is here's what I've learned is that those visionaries can't do it unless they have the support system like an actual system, and also a person or a team uh, to make sure that those details are actually getting executed. And those of us who are the details people, the implementers, the integrators, we really need a visionary to remind us to take bold action, to move quickly, uh, to not be so afraid of letting the perfect be the enemy of the good enough. And so this concept of money, love, speed, again, was brought to me not just by one visionary founder who I've had the opportunity to work with and learn from, but from three. (laughs) And so when I see these things coming up again and again, and they're constantly telling me either in these direct words or in similar words that money loves speed. It's really a sign to me that if I want to make money as a uh, service provider myself, and I want to help my visionary partners and friends and colleagues make money, I have to move quickly. And it reminds me of this analogy that I really experienced when I was a runner. So, uh, I got caught up in the running craze. I was at a time in my life where this was before I had kids. I was somewhat newly married. If I'm being really vulnerable, I was kind of on this wild weight loss journey where I was really trying to figure out what was going to work and what was going to be sustainable. And this was a time when everyone around me, it felt like they were long distance runners. People were signing up for not just 5Ks and 10Ks, but half marathons and full marathons and triathlons. And, and I got caught up in it. And I don't regret it. I loved my experiences becoming a runner. And I would say for the better part of a decade, I really committed to that. But even as I was a runner, I was not a particularly fast runner. Much like my experience as a service provider and as a worker, endurance was really my friend. I would not necessarily run at the the front of the pack. I wasn't necessarily breaking any records, um, but I would finish consistently. And I am. I will say that when I say I'm going to do something and I have a goal, it takes a lot. For me to fall short it's not that i am unafraid uh, uh, that i'm afraid of quitting or anything like that there's just something that happens in my soul where it's like i said i was going to do this i'm going to do it and i think that has benefited me in my work as a service provider and as an integrator but it particularly helped me as a runner but the thing is again i had to realize really early on <laughs> that my gift was not speed it was endurance right? It was saying that I'm going to go from the start line to the finish line. And I would always have a goal. My goal was typically to run a particular, uh, you know, like how long It would take me to run that particular distance. I would definitely set additional goals. So, if I had run the half marathon in two hours the time before, I really wanted to break two hours the next time. So, again, it's not that I am not ambitious, that I haven't set goals, that I'm not always trying to better myself, but I just know that me saying I'm going to run this half marathon in 90 minutes was pretty unattainable. Uh, I just did not have it no matter what I was going to invest in terms of training and all of that. I just, This is not something that I felt was achievable. And even if it was achievable, I didn't particularly think that it was a goal that was worth chasing because the consequences uh, far outweighed the benefits. So again, I realized that my gift is not speed, that I like to have a plan. I don't just go out without a running plan. I would tell myself, okay, today I'm running this many miles and my goal is this pace. And in order to do that, I really need to get up at this time because I need to fuel myself. And also I need to consider what I'm doing that evening. So all of this went in right? The same level of planning that I would bring even to some of my shorter uh, training runs, I bring to the work that I do as a service provider. And I realized that it was that planning and execution and implementation that really benefited me in my solo running career and has continued to benefit my visionary partners. So if we agree that money loves speed and I'm not the fastest person, <laughs> what? how can I leverage those two things? Well, when it comes to business, I think the biggest thing for me that I've have been able to take away is that when I have a visionary partner, a CEO or a founder who has brought me on to implement a particular funnel or optimize a certain area of their marketing or their sales or look at their team dynamic and think, how can we, how can we maximize the work that this team does? How can we really up level as a team? All of these things, frankly, are are strategies and concepts that founders come to me to help support. What I realized is that if I had a visionary who was A law, fast runner. Like this is my sprinter. My goal is not to sprint and try to beat them, but my goal is to really pace them and to not slow them down. So again, I'm stretching the running analogy, but I I just come back to this a lot, which is that my, my goal as a service provider who is not a visionary, but who works with visionaries and who understands that my value in the marketplace, as well as my success and my ambition, are are inextricably linked and tied to visionaries. I just know that the same way that speed in running is not my gift, but endurance is, coming up with the big, bold idea is not my particular gift, but being alongside someone who is running quickly and just kind of matching their pace for long enough that I can hear what do they wanna do? What are their goals? what is What does success feel like? If I can get enough of that information, then my job is to say yes quickly, And then to do all of the steps needed to get us to the finish line. And the thing that I love the most about visionary founders is that when you have that element of trust, when you've shown them that you're not going to slow them down, you're not going to be the no person, except in rare exceptions where when you say no, it holds a lot of weight. I have now had the benefit of being able to say to a founder, I can do this with you, but here's why I recommend we don't. Or I want to recommend that we slow this down and here's why. When I ask to slow something down or to change the plan, right now in this stage of my career, it is not because I don't have the the bandwidth or the capacity to do it or the I'm not running alongside them. It's really like a very specific reason. Hey, if we can do this, but here's how it's gonna negatively impact these other things that maybe you've forgotten that we're doing. Or if we decide that, yes, we want to do this, but instead of doing it this Friday, we push it to next Friday, it gives us the ability to have more success, and here's why. And because I'm able to say, yes, we can do this, and yes, we will do this, and not say no to my visionary founders very often, the trust is there that when I say no, or I say, can we slow this down, they, they listen much more. I will tell you, I was not very good at this in the earlier stages of my career when I would say no or let's slow down. And it would solely be based on the fact that I like more time. <laughs> I like more time to plan and make it perfect and test and do all of these things. And even though all of those steps are important and are still part of my job, me slowing the visionary down to fit with those needs that I have really, really did become a liability in my career. There are decisions and conversations that if I could go back in time and talk to younger Katie, I would probably say, your goal here is to say, yes, we can do this. And here's what I need in order to make it successful. And too many times as a younger service provider partner, I would say, I don't think we should do it or I'm concerned about doing it. And here's why. And not leading with the yes. And again, I want to be really clear. My visionary partners, do not need a yes person, neither do yours. They need somebody that they can count on to say, I understand that you are ready to be disruptive and bold and you have this visionary idea and then collect all of the information that you need and then go handle the details. For the most part, and I will acknowledge that a lot of this is built over time and trust and you executing with excellence and you not slowing them down. For the most part, my visionary partners really don't need or want to be in the details. They want to cast the vision They want to hand it off to me and they want to know that all of the messy middle part is going to be handled by me and it's going to be handled with excellence. It's going to be handled the way that it should be. It's going to be handled in a way that still allows us to go to market really quickly, to start making the sale really quickly, whatever the project is. And they still have the ability to look at the final plan and go through it one more time. But it's that messy middle that you really need to try to pull your visionaries out of. And there's this concept back to running for a moment of negative splits, right? Which is that you get faster as the race goes on. I actually think that the perfect way to pace your visionary partners is to sprint for the first mile and then to step back and then just to kind of hit these nice, staggered, uh, sustainable paces, right? And then get your kick on. For the, for the last part of the race. And if you think about that from a marketing uh, plan, or if you think about it with any strategic, uh, you know, concept that you're putting together with a visionary partner, you say yes, and you move quickly. You gather the information and then you have the ability to say, if you're doing this well, okay, great. I have everything I need. I understand the deadlines. I understand the goals. I'm going to come back and I'm going to do everything that I need to do. And then let's meet back up on X date to review what I've done right so a good way of thinking about this is i had a client uh who i love she is a true visionary she moves very quickly she is willing to make sure all of the steps are taken care of and are done well and she is in alignment with me that those details are really important for your client experience or for your leads experience or your audience whatever it is that you're doing right the details matter and i think most visionaries that you work with would say the same thing the details matter But the details don't necessarily need to fall on the visionary. And in fact, if they do, it's usually not executed as well as you would want, as well as the audience would want, as well as the visionary would want. Like no one is typically happy when the visionary falls back into being in the weeds. But what visionaries like to do is be able to understand where all of the moving parts are and that they're taken care of well. So in this particular example, a client of mine said, hey, I'm really feeling like our audience is struggling with this topic and I'm ready to talk about it. I have a solution for them. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to get a workshop up. I'd like to be able to have an upsell on the back end of the workshop. So if they sign up for free, there's an opportunity to purchase this lower ticket item even before the event happens. And I'd like to have this up, you know, by Friday, right? So we were having this conversation on a Monday. Uh, And so that's where the sprint started, right? So like, I hear, I hear the starting whistle or the shotgun or whatever is starting the race. And she and I are sprinting together. And even though I know that I can't sprint for the whole race, I know that I can keep up with her for the beginning of the race. So I sprint with her and I say, okay, great. Here's what I need to know. How many sales do you want? Uh, or what's the goal for sales? Okay. What time should we, what date and time should we host the workshop? You know, I just got some basic things that I, and I was clear in order for me to come back to you with the fully executed or ready to execute plan. There are a few things that I need to work workout right now. So or while we're sprinting, I have in my head, here are the things that I need and anything else that I don't need answers for during this sprint, I know that I have an opportunity to come back and get in front of her and get answers to, right? And that's what makes me feel like I'm in my zone of genius, okay? So just like I need a visionary to come up with the idea for the workshop and the upsell and all of these things and really cast the vision, I know that she needs me to go back and do what I do. And I can only do that if I have ask the right questions. So we're sprinting and I am able to ask all of the questions that I need in real time. I can't set up the event page without the date and time, right? I can't set up the um, upsell without understanding what needs to go into it and what the needs to be. And then there are some other basic things that we needed to do. And that's basically what we did on the sprint. Then I fall back into my more kind of endurance pace and I start to knock out all of the items. Now I love a to-do list. I love a checklist. So I always reverse engineer. Okay, I've finished the sprint. I understand the goal. Then I go back and I always put together a project brief. It's like my my teens all know it. Katie's gotta have her project brief. So I put it together. For all the things that need to be done. And it's granular. You know, it's like what sales pages need to go up, what emails need to be written, when should they go out. I reverse engineer back from there. Okay. If an email needs to go out on Wednesday, it needs to be approved on Tuesday, it means it needs to be written by Monday at five o'clock. All of these things that allow me to look at all of the things that need to be triaged and really be clear on what needs to be done by whom and by what date. And when I have that plan, I feel so. Not just peace, I feel actually invigorated. I feel energized, right? Now I'm able to say, okay, the my visionary partner wants to do this and has set me up with A. And we know where we want to go. That's Z. And I have all that. Everything from B on into Y, that's my zone of genius. And so when I'm able to really take the time and again think about the run, like now I'm maybe I've fallen back. My visionary is still sprinting. I've fallen back and I'm kind of at my own pace and I'm figuring out what needs to be done. In many cases, I'm just doing right i've earned the ability to start taking action without needing approval or getting things to 95% so that i can present them back to my visionary and say okay like we're approaching the finish line does all of this look good we're pushing the finish line i just want to make sure you've been able to get your eyes on this plan does this all look right and even if there are certain tweaks or feedback once I've presented it, it's usually very granular. Like here are the emails that I've written and drafted or even scheduled, right? Like sometimes I get to the point where I just say, in order for us to execute on this timeline, money loves speed. We need to move quickly. Then I had to take some liberties and I had to set these up. There's still time for you to make adjustments or to change what I have, but this is all set up and ready to go. Does this look good? And when I do that, when I am able to sprint at the Beginning sprint at the end and do a little bit more of sort of a languid pace in the middle, even when I know that there's a tight turnaround. All of that allows me to be the partner that a visionary needs. And again, with the negative splits, I just want to say like there is value in sort of getting off to a fast start and then slowing down a little bit, but then picking up your speed so that you really can sustain that. End of the race kick with your visionary. And to me, that's what it always feels like when you're about to launch. It's that end of race adrenaline that I felt in the last half mile when I would go all out. And I knew that this was a time not to hold myself back, not to slow down, not to do another water break. Like I knew that I had a half mile left and I wanted to give it everything. That to me is the same feeling that I have when I'm at the end of an initiative and we're about to launch it. And when I have done all of that with my visionary partner, that's a really exciting time. When I have gotten bogged down in the details or when I have forced a visionary to slow down or I've said no, or I've made things more complicated than they need to be, we get to the sprint at the end and we're both exhausted. And that's a really unhappy place for both of us to be. That's an unsustainable place for me as a service provider. And so I hope all of these analogies have been helpful in that me as a runner, recognizing pretty early on in my career that I was not going to be the first across the finish line, but I was going to cross the finish line and I was going to be in pretty good health. Uh, Maybe I'd be sore, maybe I'd be tired, but I would feel as though I could have, you know, done another half mile or I felt really good about the preparation that I had had. I was smiling across the finish line. I really do feel like there are a lot of parallels to what I've been able to do as a service provider who is not a visionary I'm a founder. I run a profitable business myself. I'm the founder and CEO of my own business. And so it's not that I don't have bold action in me. It's not that I can't bring new ideas and strategy and disruptive content and ideas to my own business, or even to my teams. I've really been able to learn from my visionaries and find where those opportunities are. And I'm really proud of the work that I've done to push myself into more of that visionary role when the time is appropriate. But my zone of genius is not in being a visionary. It is in keeping up with and pacing a visionary. And by the way, if I don't pace my visionary, then my visionary is not going to finish the race, right? My visionary is going to bonk at mile 12 of a 13.1 half marathon, because all of a sudden she gets toward the end of the race and realizes she didn't set up the Zoom link for the workshop, or she forgot to send an email telling people how to join, or she set up a product and didn't actually test it to make sure that it could collect money. Those are all things that would really prevent that from being a successful run for my client as well. And so I know that my job is to pace my visionary as well, is to say, we're going to finish this race. We're going to do it really fast. I'm happy to make that last kick, like everything we have. Let's go for a PR. Let's see how quickly we can take action. Money loves speed. I want to move quickly with you. But... (laughs) I've considered all of the moving parts and based on what I know and my experience, we are going to finish this race strong and feel really good if we do it in this way. And so there is, there's just so much symbiotic relationship building here when you are not a visionary, but you love to work with visionaries or that is your opportunity to grow. And the marketplace needs both of us. It needs visionaries and it needs integrators and it needs all of the in-between people too. It needs people who are more junior. In these people who are more experienced, in these people who have experience in specific industries or parts of the funnel or parts of the business. One of my great joys has been in working with teams who bring all of these personalities and different levels of experience to the table and figuring out how do I really take the best advantage of all of these people. That's really, really fun. It's probably my favorite thing to do right now, which is not to come in and just work only with a visionary but is to be the partner to the visionary, running with them, right? Sprinting and then pacing and then sprinting, but also communicating with the team and really taking advantage of everyone's gifts. So when things work well, everybody does feel as if they are in their zone of genius. They have autonomy, they have authority, they have a voice, but they also are really, really clear on where in the idea they are supposed to execute. And um, too many visionaries at a table, nothing gets done. A visionary and a great team of people who implement and push and who run at their speed and who pace them and who agree that money loves speed, that's when the magic happens. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, more and more times this has been coming up in conversations that I have been having both with my visionary partners and we have been sort of figuring out like, what's working and how is this working and what would we tell other people that don't yet have this relationship? I've been extremely lucky and privileged to have so many successful partnerships with visionaries that we're actually now sort of like road mapping it for other people and saying like, oh, this is what you need. This is is how this works well. This is how and when you meet. This is what the content of the meetings are. This is how you communicate with each other. All of these things that I've learned, again, because I have understood uh, particularly in the last decade that my highest value is to be an operator, to be a processor, to be an integrator in, and love the part that requires me to be in the weeds, um, but do that while running alongside a visionary partner. And I will just say one final running analogy. Your visionary partners are often running a few races or training for a few races at a, t- at a time. So their big, bold idea of today They need executed, but they may already have moved on to their next big, bold idea. And the visionaries that I like working with the most really understand that the highest value they have is to get something to, let's say, 25% to hand it off and then to pick it back up when it is, again, at 75% or even 95%. And then everything in between, if they can work with somebody who loves running at their speed and supporting them, but then also executing the details, that is where visionaries can continue to have lots of successes right in a row or even in parallel. And that is because, again, this process works really beautifully. So if you are a service provider who is looking to work with visionaries in a new way or is looking to take the next level in your career, I really want you to think about money love, speed and running at the pace of your visionary partner. If you are a visionary who is listening to this and you're wondering, why can't I get more done? Who do I need? I really would urge you to find the person on your team now or find the person who is not yet on your team, um, but really is deserving of a seat At the leadership table, being your partner, having visibility to everything that is working in your business, but is able to pull it together on an operational uh, standpoint and really make your big, bold, visionary ideas come to life without requiring you to be the one in the weeds. Um, This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It is one that is still, I think in an evolution stage myself. I'm the first to admit that there are things that I still don't get right. Uh, When I slow the process down for a visionary, I will sometimes fall back into bad habits about thinking about all the things that I need or that I'd like and that Perfectly reverse engineered plan that I personally like to see on paper before I commit to something. Uh, But the more that you can say yes to your visionary partners and let them start to speak about it, let them to say in the universe, hey, I'm about to launch a new training we're going to have the details tomorrow. If you want to be notified, let me know. Like that's the type of thing I love when a visionary understands, yes, you can start talking about it and understand that I will be there to support you. And then tomorrow we'll have enough for us to actually take action. Even if it's not perfect, even if it's messy, even if we are to, to wrap with one of my other commonly used mantras, even if we are building the plane as we're flying it, I'm going to be there. That's going to be my highest value to my visionary partner. And then the trust factor of me being able to execute all the details without a lot of interference uh, is really, really exciting to me. And I think would be exciting to many of you. So thank you for listening as always. I always love your feedback as well. So be sure to connect with me on Instagram. I'm Kay Widrick on Instagram. You can also find all of my social links and more at katiewidrick.com. And of course, you can catch up on other episodes of the Hard Cost Podcast. I will see you with another featured guest on an upcoming episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.